Welcome to the Rose Garden. I'm Holly. And I'm Julia. And we're desperate for the rose. We're back with episode 10 of Desperate Housewives. The date is December 19th, 2004. It's almost Christmas. You couldn't tell by the weather here in Wisteria Lane. (laughs) Not at all. The episode title is Come Back to Me, which is a Janet Jackson song. That's fun. Um, Not super complicated to understand the lyrics on this one. It's begging someone to come back to them and... We can kind of see it throughout the episode. Maybe we'll touch on it, but it's not a riveting symbol. I mean, I feel like it's the most obvious with Brie and Rex. And then others are like kind of, you know, Stretches. you could yeah. fit it into the mold. But kind, it's, yeah, it's not the most, wow, that was yeah. well done. <laughs> no, no, it's not like super artistic. Or... Exactly. But it does the job. Mm-hmm. It titles the episode. This episode starts with Maisie Gibbons, and I'm so obsessed with this intro scene. It's such a surprise, because I feel like every episode so far starts with, like, a, a, you know, like, what the day on the Wisteria Lane is like. Like, oh, it was a nice, beautiful day. Everybody was on the street, and, like, our first scene is Maisie Gibbons, and you're thinking, oh, I forgot it. Why her? Like, what the fuck? Wasn't she the bitch that, like, totally destroyed Lynette in the Red Riding Hood? It sends the wrong message by killing the wolf. (laughs) Yeah, that's all we know her from. I love her accent, too. She's, like, the only one with a slight Southern accent. And we're, okay, where are we? (laughs) Where are we? Right, where? Yeah, totally. Maisie spends her afternoons in the company of frustrated, misunderstood, lonely men willing to pay money to feel a little less lonely. So we see Maisie in her little picture-perfect house, family portraits everywhere, and now she is entertaining a man in her bedroom, the bedroom she shares with her husband. And the man is asking a lot of questions. He sure is. Prompting, and she's like making the bed throwing the pillows on the bed and answering him. He's putting his pants back on. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this is weird. This guy seems to be really curious about her life. He's got a lot of questions. For work. But she does admit that she sees herself as a secret keeper for men and finds that exhilarating. She loves the power of knowing more than the other women around her. This is after he asks, like, why do you even do this in the first place? Aren't you married? Don't you have like a life outside of this? And we learn from her that, like, the most exciting thing is that she can keep men's secrets. <laughs> and I think she likes knowing the secrets of all these other women's husbands. She likes, I think it's the power over the women more than it is about You're the right. men. You're right. Yeah. And definitely. we can especially see that when she talk, tells the story of when she was first down on her luck with money and they couldn't afford the country club membership anymore. And she ran into a woman who heard that the reason they weren't coming around anymore is because they couldn't afford it. And she refers to the look of pity in her eyes when hearing this. And the man is like, well, maybe she was just trying to be nice, you know, didn't want you to feel bad. And she says, "Mm." when they say something, they're trying to be nice. But when they say nothing, it's because they think you're so far gone, you're never coming back. But something wonderful happened. Once she started her little business, this woman's husband became one of her best customers. In fact, he's the next appointment right now. Yeah, and he knocks on the door and it's freaking Rex. So Brie is the woman with the look of pity in her eyes. I never noticed, I didn't really put make that connection before. Interesting. I always, I, I was like, oh, this is totally Brie. I mean, it makes a lot of sense yeah. based on her quote, but I feel like I wasn't really listening well enough to what she was saying. And now well, I'm like, oh, that's And if we jump ahead- Brie later says when Maisie's like, oh, you hate me or whatever. She's like, well, I don't hate you. I pity you. Yeah, right. I'm like, oh, snap. She doesn't even know that's the worst thing she could have said to Maisie. Totally. It's so good. It's so, so good. And we see Rex open the door, give Maisie a kiss on the cheek. And that's how he comes on in. Wild. So clearly we know what this secret is. All those therapy sessions that... We were is having an affair with a sex working housewife. <laughs> yep. 
And then we jump to Carlos. Carlos was arrested, by the way. Remember last the end of the episode? I'd forgotten. Yeah, it's something. Mary Ellis compares Carlos's court date to a morality play with themes of trust and betrayal. Mark Jerry is such a fucking theater nerd. I know. When I when I saw you wrote that, I was like, so true. I mean, like, <laughs> why do you need to go into depth about the different act like the different players and actors involved I in a know. court? It, it was just so funny to me. I'm just like. Are you a college theater teacher? How do you have these things still in your head? (laughs) These are all buried like information. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember reading about these different types, but yeah, like I didn't retain it, (laughs) but he loves it. He loves it. He retained it. Carlos can't get bail because they can't find his passport. Tanaka has already fled the country and his lawyer plays the comatose mother card to try to get him out. But until he gets his passport and turns it over, he cannot get bail. I'm confused with this whole situation. So like, let's play this out. He has embezzled money in a different country. And his if he gets his passport, like he can't get bail without his passport. And is that because they don't believe that he's... They need him to turn it over so he isn't a flight risk. Oh. If he has his passport, he can flee the country. Right, 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 right. Okay. So that's what that's that all about sense. is turning the passport over so so that they can at least can qualify for bail. Right, right. Okay. Well, I do have to say this was where my worst dress was. And I don't know if you caught this. I wasn't paying enough attention to dress outfits. So I would love all your takes and I will just agree or disagree. So Susan is comforting Gabby in this court session and she's wearing a really like a weird gray kind of skin colored sweater looking thing it's like a gross like in between like a taupe and a cream yeah and then the collar is all fur it's like three inches of fur hideous that like goes around her whole you know it's it's a collar but it like doesn't it looks almost too scarf like I don't know it's Mm. very strange yeah but it was the worst thing I've seen in a while I mean Susan has had worse outfits but like that's a bad one. I could I completely agree. I concur and have no other contenders for worse dress. So that is definitely it. All right. So we're back to Julie and Zach in the good old hiding Zach in the bedroom scenario. So instead How of long has J- Zach just been sleeping in her bedroom? Yeah, let's talk about this. Is he sleeping on the floor? Is he sleeping in her closet? Where is he? Like, what is he doing while he's in there? And also, what time of year is this? Is this the school year and he's just bailing class? Is he in school? Like, I'm well, just- I'm sure he hasn't been in school due to the whole mental institution thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, right, that's its own thing. So there's that. Also, we still don't really have a read on how old Zach is right now. Yeah, but we do in but this. Julie is 13, we learn. Oh yeah, she's they young. They say specifically 13. So yeah, I thought she was 14 for some reason. I feel like I got that from the first couple episodes. So maybe yeah. they're continuing. They didn't say, I've been trying to keep my eye out for ages this whole time to try to keep track of what the fuck. Because I always remember Julie was, thir- said was, they said she was 13, but I thought they would have said that earlier and that she was pretty quickly 14. But it's episode 10 and they only just finally said she's 13. Hmm. Okay, so Danielle is in high school. Andrew is in high school. Danielle is dates John Rowland, who's 17. So we can presume she's about 15 or 16-ish. Julie is 13. Just kind of keeping track of these. Because later on, it seems like Danielle and Julie are the same age. I know. There's a point in time where they literally say Zach is older than John Rowland. (laughs) Yeah. This is way later on where you're like, wait, what? That makes zero sense. Because (laughs) that would mean a 17-year-old almost 18 year old. Cause John Roland said last episode, he was almost 18. Right. So this 18 year old, almost 17. Cause we know legally he has to be a minor for this whole shit to be going down. Yeah. Is in a 13 year old girl's bedroom. No. Yeah. Cause if he's older than John, then he's like 19. Like well, he was only supposed to be three months older than John. Oh, Roland. Oh, oh, so okay. if John is 17, yeah. almost 18, Zach is definitely at least almost 18. We're going to go with almost 18 because, which is, there's no way he's 16. There's no way he's got to be because 16 max. It was the dumbest sentence ever written in this entire series. It's in season three is I'm three months older than John Rowland. 
Because you're not. Because you're, you're not. not. You're, you're liar. lying. You liar. Uh, anyway, yeah. So Zach is still in the bedroom. Zach is still in Julie's bedroom. And instead of scooping up a bunch of chocolate ice cream this time, it's Julie Chinese. is fixing up massive, a, a massive plate of Chinese food for her and Zach. Meanwhile, Susan and Mike are in the background, like fondling all over each other. And later in the season, we meet Susan's mom and it's like, like mother, like daughter. There is nothing more Too distracted by it. her love life to notice that her daughter has a man in her bedroom. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, Susan so she, does say like, oh, that's a lot of food. And Julie quickly deflects and is like, oh, so um, I will be home this weekend for whatever fucking weird reason. Carl and Brandy maybe breaking up somehow means she's going to be home for the weekend. I didn't right. quite follow that train of thought, but. No, I didn't either. But it sounds like Carl's maybe reorganizing his life and himself while Brandy's moving out. I don't know. But I guess this is going to ruin Susan and Mike's romantic plans because Mike was, I guess, supposed to come over that weekend. And the weekend without Julie. And he suggests they do it at his place. Which, honestly, this part is a character flaw that they put with, like, not a character flaw, but this is not consistent with, I think, what Susan would be like. For Susan to be so particular and say, no, not my place, because, or not, not your, your place. place, because I need my oils and perfumes and it needs to be perfect. I'm like, Susan, you're the messiest person. Like, you're not a- control of the lighting. <laughs> you're not Brie. Right. Like, you're not a Brie. Why are they making you seem like you're a Brie? Yeah. Also completely the opposite of the way, what we were talking about just before we started recording of, I never want a man in my space. Like we'll go to your house. I'm yeah, not why would, you're not coming to mine. Right. Like that would totally be, totally be the preference and like perfect situation that your neighbors. So you when you're have gone, to walk across the street, you don't even have to drive. What? Well, yeah. It's so weird that they threw that in there, but I guess it helps. It was just to move this future plot point forward. Clearly. Right. right. Uh, they try to figure something out. They can't. Meanwhile, we cut back to Julie, who thinks they should tell Susan about Zach. And Zach does this weird little manipulative, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm so, you know, I'll just leave. I'll leave. It's too, you know, I've imposed too much. I'll just leave. I'll just leave. And she's like, no, no, it's fine. I won't tell my mom then. And he's like, okay, I'll stay. Oh, yeah. I really didn't like. No, did not at all. Very abusive and manipulative to me. I'm just like still trying to wrap my head around him being in that space. Like that bedroom is tiny. I do not get how, how she could be remotely comfortable with sleeping in there before her school days. Like she's going to school, coming home and hanging out with this older boy in her room and then eating dinner in there and like going to sleep with him. I just, I can't. For how long? Like how many weeks has this been going on? Too many. It's horrifying. Too many. But Susan has come up with a different plan. Since <laughs> they can't have a romantic weekend together, she plans for a little um, middle of the day afternoon delight for her and Mike. She's been waiting for him, watching. She sees his truck pull up. He's coming home for lunch or whatever. And she says, ooh, perfect. And changes into some like gray lingerie with a blue over thing over like a blue like bra still out is that a what is it when it's uh the like flowy thing is that like a baby doll or a teddy it's a a baby doll because it's flowy yeah um teddies tend to be a little tighter i believe you're right teddies are tight i think it's a baby doll it's a baby doll but it's interesting just because it's not the bra is separate so it like goes kind of under in almost a corsetish fashion which i do think adds that lift to the boobies Oh, totally. So, I mean, because they are popping. It's a look. She has a look and she calls Mike over because her, uh, to help her with the oven, her oven's out and she needs help finding her pilot light. <laughs> what a weird ass reason. He's a plumber. Do something like I have a clog. I need <laughs> right. you to clean my pipes. Right. Like this you've already work. You've already tried. Like we can't even bring up the fact that that could be like gross because she's already done that with him she has done it so it's nothing new i have a clog (laughs) i have a clog come over (laughs) here and we get to the most iconic 
scene. I sing this song all the time. Susan is getting ready for Mike to come over and she's throwing rose petals and she's blasting her music and it's come and take me. Here I am, baby. Don't you want it? It's the wow when she does that like thing and she just throws pounds and goes wow. And Zach is just, can you imagine being Zach? My dog just heard me and she came running. Right. That is so funny to picture this boy being like, what the fuck is going on? Like for anyone to witness this, but for it to be awkward as Zach Young. It's also hilarious that she goes into Julie's room to grab candles. She steals Julie's candles. Because she's traipsing around the whole damn house, too. Like, petals everywhere. Singing yeah. everywhere. It's so good. And then Zach has to hide but behind Julie's door because yeah. she's grabbing the candles. And then... You know, Susan goes back to the bed. She's all laid out and like ready for Mike. She leaves a note on the door for him. So like Mike shows up to the door and it's all, come on in, Mike, with a little heart. meanwhile, Zach is trying to sneak out of the house because he can tell what's about to happen. And he does not want to be in the house for this. Who would? So Susan is like hearing noise in the house, but no one's answering. She's like, Mike, Mike, is that you? At first she thinks it's Mike. Right. And then no response. And she well, goes when and Zach grabs- gets to the door. He gets to the front door right when Matt Mike. Oh, is you're right. In the front he walks. Door. He, he walks, walks back. The stairs. He's like halfway down the stairs. It's so close. Him, then scurries back up. And so she's like, "What the fuck is this little rat noise that I hear going on in my house?" And takes her weird exercise equipment, grabs it, and what backs- is it? I don't freaking know. It's one of those like old school like arm arm yeah. things but she literally takes it and ends up whacking mike because mike was going up the stairs and she's all oh my god i'm so sorry mike she like gets on top of him and kisses him and he was like well your seducing didn't really work yeah. and then zach creepy ass zach is right behind them in the doorway being Watching, like don't. he's like please don't be mad at me like when they finally look up and notice he's how long have you been staring at them from about like looming over it's ridiculous <laughs> so then we get the three of them waiting at the table for julie to come home yikes and susan tries to pull the stern mom thing with julie and julie's not having it because guess what mom you've been acting like a friend my entire life and now you want to be a parent i right. parented you bitch yeah, totally. That comes up later when they have another like one-on-one conversation and Julie's like, I'm over your shit. You cannot tell me what you think I should be doing in this situation. Yeah. And Susan does have a moment of realizing that too. She kind of talks to Mike and opens right. up. She says, well, yeah, I really, it was, I leaned on her so much during the divorce. It's easy to, she's so mature. It's easy to forget. She's only 13. That's when we get the age confirmation. And Mike offers to be the person she talks to about grown up stuff. But Susan's like, I can't talk to you about everything. Like the big crush I have on the plumber across the street. And then she like, it turns into a major simp fest where she's like, going on and on about his smile and his tattoo and oh god it's so gross and so cheesy um so a little interesting note is that mike brings zach over to paul's Mm -hmm. and mike ends up passing or zach his business card with his phone number being like hey if you need someone to talk call me which i don't think susan would have been too happy about probably not and then Paul and Zach have their weird exchange, you know. There's Paul, like the most threatening hug I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> so bad. And then we get Paul and Zach eating dinner. And Zach talks to Paul about the, uh, I said, I wrote Zach talks to Zach. <laughs> you know, <laughs> talks to Paul about all the awful memories he's been having. And Paul says he just needs to push them back into your his head. What Good the advice. fuck? Then he's like, Forcing mashed potatoes on him. He serves them in the most threatening manner I've ever seen potatoes dispensed. Like who, why does he need to eat mashed potatoes? You also lace the potatoes with drugs. That was my instant instinct. Well, he, he literally says it once. He's like more potatoes. And Zach is like, no, I want to talk about shit. And then Paul's like, don't talk about it. More potatoes. Like you need more potatoes. 
that's the answer. I mean, he's not wrong. Potatoes are always the answer. And the mashed potatoes are amazing. Hell yeah. They look, that meal looked great. So now we're moving back to Brie. Brie is playing solitaire with a glass of wine, just waiting up for Rex, wearing her nightgown. She looks so clean. She really does. Like, she looks so perfect. It's like that feeling you get after, like, a fresh shower and you're, like, sitting down to, like, have a glass of wine. That's how Brie looked to me. I'm like, oh, that just looks nice. It does. Mm -hmm. I've just switched from energy drink to wine as well. There you go. Like any healthy young lady. (laughs) (laughs) Brie totally gets it. She totally had an energy drink before that wine. Just like me. She, I'm just like Brie. She has Red Bull stocked in her fridge. What if that was actually the reality behind Brie and like this clean exterior? It's because she's like has the energy to do it all because she's just chugging Red Bulls in the back. I would die. I would die. I think that's true. That's canon. I've decided it. It's the only explanation. You should add that to Reddit and be like, I have a theory. <laughs> Very serious theory, everybody. Bree's addicted to Red Bull. Honestly, people would take it so seriously. They'd be like, no, she's fucking not. You would never drink Red Bull. (laughs) And you're like, you don't know Bree like I know Bree. No one knows Bree like I do. For real. Um, So she's waiting for Rex in a nightgown. And then he comes home and he's like, I'm going to bed. What the hell are you doing? And she's like, all elusive about where he's been. Yeah, super blasé about everything. And then she smells his jacket and clearly he's been with somebody else. So she asks him straight up, have you been with a woman? And he doesn't deny anything. He just kind of stands there. He evades. And she's he's like, well, it, it's not a big deal. Like, I have every right to explore my options. Meanwhile, we can see Brie pouring more wine, which is kind of some foreshadow. Needs a little more Chardonnay to deal with this conversation as Rex says that he has nothing to be ashamed of in exploring options. So Brie suggests he brings this mystery woman over and take her on the pullout couch. <laughs> Andrew, Danielle, daddy's going to fornicate for us. You said that perfectly. That's literally exactly how she said it. And he's like, keep it down. And she goes, what? Are you ashamed? <laughs> Got him. <laughs> I loved it. I love this. These little Brie bits where I'm like, oh, she is losing her shit, but she is on point. Can we talk about how, like, people don't talk enough about when somebody will so confidently say yeah I have nothing to be ashamed of or I've done nothing wrong it's like how do you respond to that like somebody's blatantly like declaring the the issue at hand and saying there's it's not an issue I just that is so that's why she needed more Chardonnay she's like are you fucking kidding me but she came up with a com- with a comeback she said oh you're not ashamed you you, you have nothing to be ashamed of <laughs> I won't yell it again. It's that line just kills me. It's so good. Um, meanwhile, uh, Lynette starts fighting her battle with the kids and vegetables. She tries the cheese technique of covering Brussels sprouts and cheese. I'm like, first of all, that's not a vegetable you cover in cheese. It's just like, don't do the Brussels sprouts with your Pick kids. Any other like, fucking vegetable. Like, just don't do it. Like, why are you trying so hard with the Brussels sprouts? Try broccoli. Try and if you're like, gonna do Brussels sprouts, maybe prepare them better. Because everyone thinks they hate Brussels sprouts till they've had them roasted and glazed in balsamic. Oh, and it's amazing. Like a good, nothing's better than a good. Enough salt. You just got to season your vegetables properly. Right. My favorite thing she says when the kids won't eat their vegetables is, fine, beef three foot eight for the rest of your lives. See what I care. Good luck finding girlfriends. Lynette always has the best lines. Like in the first season, she has some bangers that she says, and I love them. She sure does. Um, so then she's worried about going leaving the kids with Claire while she goes to lunch. And Claire encourages her. She's like, I've been here two days. I'm fine. Go ahead. I got this. And she spends the entire time worrying about the kids as she's over at Bree's. And Bree says, get a camera. Trust is overrated. Also, wait, so did Lynette say she was like going to lunch with a friend? She said lunch. And then she ends up just sitting at Breeze while Breeze ironing Rex's clothes. Yeah. I'm like, is this the same day? Because it is kind of separated in the episode, but like she's away from her kids, worrying about the kids. 
with Claire and she's talking to Brie about it. So I'm assuming maybe they just finished lunch. Right, right. Brie had a lovely spread. <laughs> and then and went to iron Rex's shirts and encourage Lynette to get a nanny cam. Lynette is like, Brie, why are you ironing his shirts if you don't know that he's coming back? But Brie says she has faith in him. Although she would still get that camera. (laughs) She would still get the camera. So Lynette buys the nanny cam. She sets it up. She tests it out by beating a teddy bear, which was the weirdest thing. But that's (laughs) funny. It was just kind of strange. It's the strangest little thing they did there where... She's testing it out. She's rocking a teddy bear and then she's beating the teddy bear and she looks to see if the camera caught it. It's like, you don't need to do that to see what the camera's going to catch. Right, right. What are you doing? Why are you taking your anger out on this teddy bear? Right. Well, to make matters worse, the tape, you know, it had a reverse effect. She saw that the kids love Claire and she's like jealous and thinking, oh no, these kids like her way more than they like me. Shit. So I got to give her an afternoon off so I can try to win my kids back. And then she's sitting down with the kids reading a children's book and they're so making, unimpressed. They're, they're so like, unimpressed. She's like making funny character noises and they're really dumb. And is it Parker that says, that's not funny? Or <laughs> I think it one, is. Of the twins, one of the twins says like, no, I think it's the twin. You're right. It's, it's either. Twin. Porter or Preston is like, that's not funny. <laughs> it's like, you're right. Can't argue with you, kid. It's not, not good. So now, meanwhile, Edie is worried about Martha and she doesn't want a worry line. So she's going to get to the bottom of things. And she asks Lynette if she has spare keys to Martha's house. She says it's because she left her laptop in Martha's house and there are some personal things on there she doesn't want anyone else to see. <laughs> but we also know she's kind of worried about Martha why did you need to out yourself like that like why of all things to be like I left my laptop and it has things on there that I don't want people to see like Edie you didn't need to- you could have just admitted you were worried about Martha <laughs> you just make yourself look like a weird like <laughs> whore watching porn on your computer Post, I assumed it was her own sex tapes right no yeah that too like She's giving off whorish vibes. Or she leaves like post ads on Craigslist. Craigslist. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Well, this, is, this actually, is in 2004, which is also pretty funny. Like it is really, really bad. funny. It's so funny. Like this is also my best dress for this episode. Uh, Edie is wearing a really cute pantsuit. It's like a cream and has like fine pinstripes on it. Yes, I know the. Yeah. I liked this one too. It's very cute. And I mean, I don't think I would wear it today or find it attractive today, right. but it looks really good on Edie and she has her hair nice and straightened. And then honestly, there's like this necklace that she's wearing. That's like really crystally that normally I'd be like, eh, but it works for her. She looks fabulous. We love, I that. love a breast, a breast chest, <laughs> a best dressed for Edie. Freudian. Bre- I love a breast <laughs> chest. <laughs> that was so Freudian with Edie too. <laughs> Your breasts look great, Edie. Um, you are the breast dress. Always. Every ep- Although, I don't know, Susan's titties today, this ep- in that lingerie. Ooh. Susan's Susan and lingerie is wild. It's almost too much, though. It like, is. It's like when you unsettling. look at it, it's like two balls on her chest, like two like soft, squishy balls, you know, like not like male male balls. <laughs> But like, you know, that's exactly what I pictured, right? It's two, is testicles on her chest? No, no testicles, no testicles. Just like the perfect round ball on her chest. It's a little, Correct. it's they a little really fake when she wears they it do, like that. But they're not fake. No, they're just pushed up to the gods and bronze. Well, it, when the she the walks tan. around, there's like so much jiggle that it's yeah. like kind of scary. It's because it's sit on top of a giant wonder bra where her, in t- like her nipple is at the edge because it's being yeah. shoved up so much where it's, I, I know because my tits will do the same thing. Right. <laughs> Speaking from experience where when you wear a 2004 bra like that, that pushes yeah. them up, they are just like, your natural boobie is just like shh, cleavage central and just <laughs> noise honestly this goes back to our conversation of like why did we wear bras like that in 2004 2005 I guess I was too young to be wearing a bra but why was that era 
like that. I mean, it lasted through like 2009, 10. Yeah. Yeah. I don't well, understand. That's... I'm like trying to think I still wore them in high school. So. Oh, totally. 13, probably 2014. Yeah. I'd say 2002 through 2012 is probably the era yeah, of yeah, the yeah. push-up bra. And then after that, it finally started transitioning. It transitioned to bralettes where suddenly it was the opposite. <laughs> I'm like, I can't keep up with this. I have 10 wonder bras. Right. Right. You're like, oh shit. I have to get rid of my, my bras and my wardrobe. I really, I'm like, when I think back, I was like, I was so skinny too. me. And like, I had boobs that were proportionate, but throw on a 2010 bra. Yeah. It's like, I looked ridiculous. I know it's insane. You looked like Susan. I looked like Susan or Barbie. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, totally. So Lynette doesn't really want to help Edie. She's just like, whatever. And Lynette's or Edie is like, oh, Lynette, you're looking you really look great. Look great. So they exchange, you know, updates. She mentions it's the she, nanny. It's the know, nanny. Yeah. And, you know, it's all great. And Edie's like, wonderful. But then Lynette says, you know, but our mothers didn't have nannies. Um, they knew they not to have nannies because if they did, we would all have found out that there are people who are better mothers out there. Yikes. Well, Edie had a court appointed social worker as her her nanny. nanny. Well, more of a court appointed social worker. I loved that. I loved that so much. And when her mom was, uh, in prison, you know, that disciplinarian nanny was a pain in the butt and then she was super happy when her mom was on parole because she's like, I had to deal with this witch for the past however long and you know the mom was the lesser of two evils so here Lynette is thinking oh god I have to find a way to make Claire evil (laughs) her look really bad lesser also let's talk about this like Edie backstory we never really get a thorough in-depth for Edie in the entire show she's really kind of slighted in that way but we get these glimpses to where she actually has a story to fucking tell I know. I actually really like that they don't reveal too much because Edie, I always, I will always have a soft spot for Edie. She's just like, in a lot of ways, misunderstood. Yeah. And she's a tough broad, right? She reminds me of Gabby, except Gabby, we kind of learn. They, they show us her, we find out what goes on and why she is the way she is. Whereas Edie, you only get a little glimpse here and there and you're like, oh shit, I would watch the Edie spinoff. Me too. Absolutely. Cause you know, from the glimpses we get, including this one that she's had a tough life. She's a dynamic, like layered character. And I just want to peel back those layers and see what's going on. I know we love but you can't. So much. She'll no. only give you a little, always leave you wanting more. Edie knows. She knows how to, she knows how to work everyone. And she also knows what Lynette needs to do and gives Lynette the idea to make Claire evil. So she asks Claire to make sure they eat their vegetables. Here, Brussels sprouts. Also, they were frozen Brussels sprouts. She popped them out of the freezer. No wonder they suck. Right, and then she's like, oh, since the kids are eating corn dogs, make sure they get, like, worst combination. I'm sorry, (laughs) Brussels sprouts and mini corn dogs? No, thank you. And then Claire's like, oh, well, I have a little trick. I put cheese on the vegetables. Lynette's smirking. She's like, walking away. so smart. Ha ha. I know she's gonna. My kids are on to her for this one. And it works. She watches the tape back and sees her children being demons to Claire. And she sleeps well. That's basically (laughs) the wrap on the Lynette plot this episode. It really is. Do we see Tom at all this episode? I don't think we do. No. Tom's away on business, I'm sure. Sure. Right, right. So, um, Gabby, we, we cut back to her because she needs to find that passport so that Carlos will be okay. And Yao Lin is like, what are we going to do? Like, I'm not going to get paid. How are you going to pay me? I have kids. And yeah. And Gabby's like, Yao Lin, your kids are in their (laughs) twenties. Stop. I fucking love that. Like just yell, like she calls Yao Lin on that, like pity play so fast. She's like, come on. And then she's like, fine, I'll pay you for the rest of the month now and writes a check. And Yellen's like, can I call your bank? <laughs> don't be stupid. People don't become poor overnight. Cut to her car being repossessed. <laughs> it's the car, the, the tow company, the guy's out there towing her car. And then there's neighbors watching. So she spins it as if they're like doing a bad paint job. You, did, like, this, you call this a paint job? <laughs> like you didn't paint your car. Everyone saw it. No one's. 
it hasn't changed colors. Oh, it's so good. It's brand fucking new. Like he bought it for you like a month ago. Right. John watched. Right. Totally. So we cut later in the episode to Gabby's lawyer. Um, or I guess Carlos's lawyer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Their lawyer. <laughs> Their lawyer. Yeah. Telling her that there's nothing she can do about them taking away her possessions. Like she's got to hide her assets. So like, she what about quite- the stuff that's mine? Like I got this fruit ball- bowl in Milan and that fruit bowl is featuring grapes. <gasps> grapes that reoccur as a symbol throughout this show. I Especially love for grapes that. and are often a symbol of money and yeah. Wealth. Yeah, 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 totally. And they're going to take it away. They are going to repossess her repossess her fruit bowl. This goes to show that like marriage has its tax benefits in ways but like if you marry the wrong person and you're tied to them all of your things careful when you marry someone you don't know that well um but the lawyer basically says well they can't take what they can't find so (laughs) brie knocks on brie no gabby knocks on brie's door it's like you know how you've always admired my china i thought you'd (laughs) want to borrow it for a bit here um, also, can I store some things in your garage? <laughs> of all things, like the China is really funny because no one really uses China that often. Although of all people would. would. Honestly, Bree's the only one who would need yeah. China. So you know what? Good call. Right. Of all people. <laughs> and then she stores literally everything in the garage. Every painting, every furniture piece, every art piece, all of it in the garage. And Bree's just like... <laughs> She's like, thanks. Okay, great. Um, And Gabby's sitting alone in her empty house and she starts to realize that she misses Carlos more than the items that she's hid. Oh my God. I love Carlos more than things. Who knew? (laughs) Who knew? More than my paintings. The painting of my own face. (laughs) Right, right. Four times or whatever. Yeah, so ridiculous. (laughs) Fucking love that. Um, Um, So she goes to visit Carlos and she tells him, she's like, I'll take care of everything while you're away. You're innocent. Don't feel guilty for what you've, you know, you're not putting me through anything because you're innocent. Well, she's, oh, and they keep yelling, hands on the table. (laughs) So So she goes, I'm going to kiss my husband now. Okay, but keep your hands on the table. (laughs) Like, okay, what? Why is that so important? (laughs) Um, So they kiss and through this very awkward kiss, Carlos asks her, to go to the closet, find the hidden panel behind in the back where the papers and his passport are stored. Grab the passport, give it to the lawyer, and burn the papers. So suddenly Gabby's like, wait, are you guilty? Did you know what was going on? He's like, just burn the papers. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Like, You've done so much to hide your things in your friend's garage and then you're missing your husband and you go visit him thinking it's all going to work out fine. And turns out he's guilty. Yikes. Well, meanwhile, we're going to jump back to Maisie who has Rex over and they're chatting about his marriage while she's selecting her accessories. She asks for his opinion on pearls or spikes, scarf or cuffs, boots or stilettos he lets her pick everything except for the only thing he has an opinion about is the shoes which i find interesting especially with our whole feet symbolism last episode Mm. he also he chooses stilettos and this makes me almost feel like okay it's a little bit of a more housewife vibe than boots so maybe it's kind of that he likes the little more he like he feminine. doesn't like it as like harsh. It's not yeah. as harsh as that. Like yeah, there's a little bit of a femininity. Although honestly, a stiletto probably hurts more. <laughs> well, and then there's that too. He loves. He probably loves that because this is when we're starting to realize it's not just sex he's getting from Maisie Gibbons. Also, I feel like if it was about the housewife thing, he would have had an opinion about pearls or spikes. Totally, that's true. That's very true. But she's asking, "Have you ever talked to Bree about your fantasies?" And he's like, "No, I can't talk to her about it because." what if she rejects me? I don't care if you reject me, basically, is what she says to him. And she goes into her dom mode and is like, get on the floor. (laughs) This is what's interesting is we learn here that like Rex is not in love with Maisie. Like you don't get a clear idea at first. And now we're starting to learn it's, it's like a dominatrix situation 
but also him saying, you know, I don't care if you don't like me. Like exactly. He's, he doesn't have feelings for Maisie. He just has certain needs that he is too scared to ask Brie about. Which even says he's like, my marriage is not falling apart just because of Brie's OCD. Um, it, I also have needs as you know, and then it cuts to her being like, get on the floor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And starting to walk all over his back in her stilettos. So Rex is a sub. He likes to be dominated in the bedroom. This is what he will not tell Brie, even when she was crying, begging him to tell her. And he called her a whore. Oh yeah. You sound like a whore. Well, Which is you starting to sound like Maisie, and I don't love the whore. I love you. Yeah. Ooh, that's that's a really good point. Also, not great for you to be calling people whores when you're the one soliciting sex. That's what I'm saying. Like, what the fuck, you hypocrite? Exactly. Also, Such a man thing. Also, like this, so many problems would be fixed if they just opened their marriage. But obviously, at this time, that would never happen. And given right. how traditional they both are, but it's like they really should bring Desperate Housewives back. No, <laughs> yeah. Like, why are they remaking all these shows that are certainly way too new to be remaking? Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. Oh, that confused me. That just ended ten years ago. Desperate Housewives is coming up on their twenty-year anniversary. Can't wait for the party. Get ready, everybody. October 4th, 2024. It's on. So excited. It's fucking on. Screw my wedding. This is my wedding. Biggest party ever. Gonna throw a rager. Yeah. Why haven't they tried to remake Desperate Housewives? Uh, I'll never understand. It's because Real Housewives got too popular and people would mix them up. Maybe. It's such an iconic, it has such a cult following. It would be so good. I feel like people would love it. Like the amount of people I see compared to any other show old show posting their their ideas a new generation on wisteria lane every hour of every day people are posting stuff on reddit about desperate housewives it's the most iconic television show ever created yeah it is the best piece of television the best seven seasons eight seasons ever honestly seven (laughs) seasons it's the best seven seasons basically it's about you know a season worth that's not worth it but totally totally and i wouldn't Uh say it's all in one season that's right right so back to Rex and Maisie. Um, so she's stepping on him with her stilettos and we hear him like grunt a little bit. Yeah, they go to commercial and come back and um, we can hear their grunting. Rex is um, coming to a climax sounds as we don't know what's going on because they are choosing to show instead images of Maisie's room reflecting that she's a wife and a mother and a woman of God, like baby shoes, family portraits, Bless this happy home inscribed on like a bronze fucking plate or whatever, a bride and groom figurine. And his climax then turns into a heart attack. Yikes. And meanwhile, Brie is in the garage looking through Gabby's things, which I think is so funny, and including a wedding photo of Gabby and Carlos, which I think is interesting because we were just looking at wedding photos from Maisie and happy couples, all that stuff. Yeah. And then she gets the call that her husband is in the hospital. And she rushes to the hospital where she's like, "Um, my husband's, I need to see Rex. Where is he? They're like, he's going into operation. Sorry, you can't go in. She's like, I'm his wife. Well, the hospital staff hears that and goes, oh, okay. Let me just go check. Let me just go see what's going on. I'm going to talk to the doctor. Uh, It's fine. And walks away. And Bree immediately is like, why are they us? What's going on? Looks at the paperwork, sees who checked him in. And it's Maisie Gibbons' signature. So Brie is now on a mission. She now knows what's going on. And, well, part of what's going on. And wanders on over to Maisie Gibbons' house to ask her straight up, are you having an affair with my husband? I love how confident Brie is. So direct. Like, I love it. Beat around the bush for anything. She tells it like it is. She asks. In a polite way. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. She does it's it really Polite well. but direct. So Maisie sits down with her and, you know, explains that Rex is still in love with you. Uh, he just has certain needs he's afraid to discuss with you. And when Bree's like, well, are you fulfilling his needs? And Macy's like, mm, she smirks she just a little smirks bit. Like, at her. It was yeah. so like, 
if I saw like that's what the moment she, you can oh, see. Oh, I would like, slap that bitch so hard. And this is where I'm like, Maisie's satisfaction is off knowing that totally. these husbands are cheating on their wives and the wives don't know. Yep. She likes that. She likes the power over these other housewives because those are the ones she felt were pitying her or whatever in the time of her time of distress. She holds it all, everything against women and it's never against the men. Yeah. I mean, we saw that with Lynette in the whole play situation. Exactly. She's, she's violent. <laughs> downright Brie then threatens to tell and this is where Maisie calls her bluff and it's like you won't tell you hate humiliation more than you hate me Brie's like I don't hate you I pity you burn sick burn Brie the thing is is that they're both right in these, this situation like Brie will never say anything because yeah. of her pride and her dignity and also like why would Brie ever hate you Maisie like no you're she nothing does- <laughs> right right you're just the woman who domed my husband. Yeah. Basically. Not that she knows that they're doming involved. At this point, she's assuming it's probably just sex. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. She but it also it. shows how confident Brie is too, because the woman who blames the other woman is not fully grasping the situation. And she's clearly, at, we see that she's a lot more mad at Rex. Yes. Than she is, she at me. is honestly a head. You would think Brie might be someone who would shame, slut shame the other woman. Yeah, but she isn't. She is like, no, I know who is responsible for this problem, and it is Rex. Yeah, totally. And I love that for her. She is waiting for him, and he wakes up from his surgery. And this is just not how waking up from surgery goes. There's no no one in the room except he's in the recovery room already. He's not in like the post op room. Yeah. And Brie is the only one standing there, and he's like, oh, how'd it go? And she's the one giving him the updates. It's not how it works. When you're (laughs) high out of your fucking mind, and like still on oxygen and just waking up from anesthesia, they want to make sure you wake up from it. So right. they're around you talking to you and you can't really understand what they're saying because you're high out of your mind and they tell you right. information that's kind of important for you to know, but it's all going to be jumbled in your head later because you were high as fuck. Yeah. But maybe he did have that and he was just so high he doesn't remember it. <laughs> that's the theory I'm going to go with. But also he's, yeah, because he's a doctor too. Which right. Is another interesting thing. And he is clearly like so cognizant in this situation. He's so lucid when he's he so up. lucid. Brie um says that she was afraid that Rex was going to die before she had the chance to tell him all the things that she needed to tell him. And she goes off. She says, I know you still love me. Maisie, Maisie told, me. told me. The way she's like, like holds like her cards close to the vest until she gets that moment to be like, Oh, oh I know you still love me. Maisie told me it's so good as of this moment Rex I am no longer your wife I'm going to go out and I'm going to find the most vindictive lawyer I can and I'm going to take away your money your family and your dignity I'm so glad you didn't die before I got the chance to tell you that (laughs) so good that was like such a threat such a mic drop moment there and then she just like walks right on out she Rex doesn't know what fucking hit him he's like I just woke up from surgery. I had a heart attack and I just got caught and all these things. I know. Crazy timing. So funny. And then we get, that's kind of our episode. We end the episode and we see Gabby finding the passport and the papers and Mary Alice goes into her voiceover. Trust is a fragile thing. Once earned, it affords us tremendous freedom. Once trust is lost, it can be impossible to recover. Of course, the truth is you never know who we can trust. Those we're closest to can betray us. And then we see Paul watching Edie and as a cop is knocking on the Martha's door because we know what he did. Ooh. And total strangers can come to our rescue, implying the cop. Um, <laughs> sure, he's not rescuing anyone. Martha's dead. In the end, most people decide to trust only themselves. It really is the simplest way to keep from getting burned. And we see Gabby burning the papers and Carlos's passport because she doesn't trust him anymore. She's like, fuck him. He deserves all the punishment he should get for this situation. Yeah. She's like, I don't trust him. So I'm going to burn it. He can stay in jail. Well, she's also probably thinking, I'm not going to go down with you. Completely. Like, Like you are shady and like I could... I already know what it's like to try to find my life outside of this marriage with my affair. Like I can do it. I know I I can. You can stay in jail. That's fine. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I will say it's an interesting choice choosing to burn, burn the passport. 
Yeah, like why did you need Why not to just put that? it back in the hidden panel? Yeah, just put it back. But maybe she just like wanted to make the decision. Like she just needed to tell herself like I have to do this or else it's going to linger over me. Yeah. Or like the worst case scenario is that Carlos finds out she just left it there. And we've seen how violent he can get with her. Yeah. You know, he's, you know, away right now, but like, you never know. Yeah. So if it's gone, it's gone. I will say we later do see that it's burnt, but not completely burnt till disappeared. So that's where I'm kind of like, what? Maybe maybe she was made for a beautiful shot. (laughs) Maybe she was hoping that it was going to be like completely true. And didn't think about the fact that they have kind of that plasticky thing that's on. It's not all paper. It's all kind of special paper to be not counterfeit. So it's like probably just doesn't burn easily. Oh, I'm sure it burns terribly. And maybe it was kind of like a gut instinct moment where she was sitting there, she burned the papers and was like, what do I do? What do I do? Just fucking do it and threw it in. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? She might've regretted it afterwards. Yeah. I will say, so that was the end of this episode. The next episode has one of the most iconic scenes that's burned in my brain of people walking through the woods, looking for Martha. And I love, I don't know why I love this scene so much because yeah, we'll, we'll get into it next time we talk. (laughs) You're so excited. (laughs) But I'm just so excited because I remember when you mentioned Paul watching the cop go to right. see what's happening with Martha. I'm like, oh, the next episode is when everyone's looking for her. Oh, it's so fun. This is such a fun episode. We learned so much about Rex and Bree and we get the Maisie reveal. Um, here I am, baby. <laughs> Come and take me. My, might be one of my favorite scenes. It's, so I will excited. sing that song all the time. Just for it's fun. A- it's amazing. And I, yeah, this episode is both long and short. I it feel. went by so fast when I was watching it. I was like, oh my God, we're done. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, it's so, so much happened. Oh, well, so Bachelorette good. is this week, but we're going to do two episodes at a time. Yes. So we will be back next time with what Bachelorette episodes one and two, or I believe episode. that will be the way based on right. when we post these. So uh, that tracks. All right. I can't wait to start Bachelor, but so I'm exciting. loving Day Edge. <laughs> I know. Always. See you next week.